for this outpouring of worship and praise. I pray that the resurrected King may find favor on you today and always. Let us prepare for a scripture reading from John 13, verses 31 to 35. And I think in your Pew Bibles, it's 1674, page 1674. It's not a long reading, but it is packed with information and it is truly beautiful to behold. When you lay your eyes upon those red letters, they will reveal the heart of Jesus. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am, you cannot, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. This piece of scripture was very enjoyable to study, and I think it's because it brought back some really fond memories. It's only four quick years and a few weeks since I first came here to Long Memorial. In thinking back, I was so scared and even embarrassed to be here. I, I felt unworthy, but you had such a warm and welcoming nature that it felt safe to keep coming back. And eventually I would stay. I now feel at home here. It's one of my favorite places in the whole wide world to be. Sitting over about six rows back. Mm -hmm. And someone else up here, of course. <laughs> but whether I stand in front of you or <coughs> sit among you, I'm convinced that I am the least of you. And I'm not trying to be self-deprecating or anything. My point is simply that it is you, the church body, who is raising me into a child of God within your church family. You're taking me through the next steps. And sometimes in this spiritual journey, I feel like a toddler who is trying to run before he can walk, like right now. But you are there for me through the process, reconciling the past and finding a direction for the future, helping me to discern God's call for my life and how I might be used as a disciple. In your loving ways, you are guiding, nudging, and reminding. And you're very good at it because you do it through love rather than judgment. And that's why I feel it will be hard in this love one another week 
to give you something you don't already know because you really are already living it. You're already living out this commandment and you're great at it. But looking into this scripture lesson, I think the timing of this is very important, incredibly important. We simply must consider where Jesus was at this point in his time here on earth. This was not some random time in the ministry of Jesus. This was the night before the crucifixion. And Jesus knows what lies ahead. He knows his hour has come. And at any time someone knows that, they will speak their heart. And within those words that come out of that moment, their heart will be revealed. They will say only what matters and exactly what matters. And that's what makes it so important that we pay special attention to these words of Jesus that he has for his disciples on this particular evening. So let's take a look at the scene that surrounds this commandment. Jesus has invited his disciples to the upper room for a meal, the Last Supper as we've come to know it. The room had been prepared for them and is fully furnished and set up. Everything that is needed for a proper Passover meal is there. The aromas of the traditional Jewish Passover foods are there. The bread is there. The wine is there. The Christ is there. As his eyes move from one disciple to another, fully knowing what tomorrow will bring for each of them, and looking back on their time together, there is the fiery and impulsive Peter who had left his nets behind to become a fisher of men. And it was also Peter who had once made the proclamation, You are the Christ, Son of the living God. After Jesus had asked him, Who do you say I am? In some ways, Peter has changed so much, and in other ways, he hasn't changed at all. And also there is Andrew. He must have been so excited to tell Peter, We have found the Messiah, when he heard John the Baptist and his introduction of Jesus with those unforgettable words, Behold the Lamb of God. And also there are James and John, the ones who asked if they could sit at the right and left hand of Jesus in his glory after catching a glimpse of that glory at the transfiguration, insisting that they were willing to drink from the cup and to be baptized with the same baptism as their teacher. He loves them so deeply. And look at Matthew. He has gone from collecting tax monies to collecting souls for Christ. These men have come such a long way, and Jesus has so many wonderful words of wisdom for them, but he longs to give them more than words, an example, a way to show his love in action. So Jesus, with a towel wrapped around his waist and a basin of water, lovingly, tenderly washes the feet of his disciples and then dries them with the towel. After he asks them, 
Do you understand what I have done for you? I have set you an example. You should do as I have done for you, and you will be blessed for doing that. Among those who had just witnessed the servant nature in the love of Jesus was Philip, who would later say, Lord, can you just show us the Father? That would be enough for us. Philip does not get that wish in the way he hoped, but instead accepts this answer from his Lord. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. And his eyes find Thomas, and his heart goes out to him. The emotional impact of the next few days would take such a toll on his faith. He would find it impossible to believe that Jesus was risen, but he would eventually say the words, My Lord and my God, when he sees the wounded body of his resurrected Savior. Jude is there, and he is the one that would ask, Lord, why do you intend to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And in his answer, Jesus promises an advocate in the Holy Spirit sent by the Father in his name. Also around that same table are James, Bartholomew, Simon, and Judas Iscariot. Jesus knows that trouble is brewing and it is threatening to break the bond of this group of believers. He knows that out of this group will come betrayal, and denials, abandonment, hiding. He needs to give them something that will bond them together. They need a covenant. So he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, saying, this is my body, broken for you. He also took the wine, saying, take and drink, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then Jesus gives them this promise. He said, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. <clears throat> it is now dark and Judas has slipped out into the night with evil intentions of betrayal and this tragically beautiful event is put into motion. It is the beginning of the passion of Jesus. He has shown his disciples what love looks like when practiced with actions. His time left with them is precious. He has given them a new covenant. He loves them so much, but time is limited. He wants to give them the perfect words to carry them through. They are going to need strength and courage to continue on. They will need wisdom and knowledge to keep making disciples after his time with them is done. And after all the teaching and preaching and worshiping and praising and reading and learning of the past three years that they have done together, all the visiting, the feeding, the saving, the healing, 
Jesus wants to concentrate it all down into the core principle that makes all his other teachings effective. He so loves these brothers and the minutes are passing them by. He needs them to see the Father's heart. He needs them to know the heartbeat that is behind all the commandments. The hours are becoming less and less. This revelation of the heart of our Savior must come with authority, not a suggestion, not an idea or a recommendation, but a command. So Jesus tells them, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, the world will know that you are his disciples if you love one another. The lesson here is we simply must take care of each other, to be in community with each other, connected, be an example of God's love reaching out to the world through us, the church, the body of Christ. <clears throat> love one another. It is how the world will know you are disciples of Jesus. There's a song I first heard here several years ago. I think it was Jack and Jenny that sang it. They will know that we are Christians by our love. It's so true. If anyone of the world looks into the church and doesn't see your love, it is unlikely that they will follow along. As I mentioned earlier, it is a lesson that you already know, but it is worth repeating. You are raising up new born-again Christians like me, helping them to reconcile their past and healing their hurts and hang-ups and heartaches, helping new disciples to discern God's call for them and where they should serve, and you're great at it. I should know because as one of the world, I walked right into your midst. You didn't know I was coming, but you were ready because you were already practicing this commandment by loving one another. And I saw your discipleship in visible actions. I saw it in visible emotions and I saw it in visible love. I saw you cooking share meals and handing out groceries to those God-appointed missions, they looked so good on you. I saw you visiting and bringing meals to the homes of others wherever a need arose. And I saw the genuine concern for the well-being of your neighbor. I saw you and that kindness looked beautiful on you. I saw you bringing clothes out of your homes and onto the backs of others who could use them. I saw you and your generosity looked great on you. I saw prayer shawls on the altar. And when I took the next steps of baptism and membership, one of them found its way into my hands. 
It is one of my most precious possessions. And that thoughtfulness looked amazing on you. I saw you coming together as brothers and sisters in faith to serve on committees to keep the functions of the church in working order. That sacrifice of time and energy fit each of your God-given gifts so well. I saw you teaching your children to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their mind, and with all their soul. I saw you teaching them to be kind, to love one another. If you can teach your children to do those two things, you have done well. I saw you praying for each other. I saw you teaching God's Word and studying it together. That discipleship and evangelism, you were made for it and it looks natural on you. I saw you with your arms around ones who were grieving. I saw you wiping away their tears and that love and compassion looked amazing on you. And I heard you too. When I listened carefully, I heard your hearts beating in perfect timing with the heart of your Savior. And I knew that you were disciples of Jesus. And I listened closer. I heard the heartbeat of my Savior, and I too became a disciple. Just as Jesus taught on his last night with his disciples, love one another, that is how everyone will know you are my disciples. And when the world sees you loving one another, you have a chance of making a disciple of them. And I pray that anyone out there who is lost and wondering should be so fortunate to meet you or a church family just like you. Amen.